Welcome back to the One God Report podcast. This is Bill Schlegel. The title of the episode today is, Does the Apostle Peter Call Jesus Christ Our God? In 2 Peter 1.1. Before we get to that topic, I just wanted to say that last week we had a good time at the Church of God youth camp called Fuel. It was held in Indiana. Two of my kids participated as well. It's a great time for them to be able to get to know other like-minded One God believers. My kids made friends from coast to coast, from New York and South Carolina all the way to California and Louisiana. It's a good place for youth to be mutually encouraged and challenged in the One God faith. I was there. I taught a class on Trinitarianism versus Biblical Unitarianism. So now the question, does the Apostle Peter call Jesus Christ our God, in 2 Peter 1.1. Well, let me tell you my answer right away. No. Peter does not call Jesus our God in 2 Peter 1.1. Let me read the translation from the Revised Standard Version, and they also have a little note where it could be translated differently. That's typical for all these claims of the deity of Christ verses that they think there's a reference to Jesus as God. There's always a little problem. Okay, but let's look at this verse. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours in the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. And then the translation footnote says, or... This could be translated in the righteousness of our God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. So the question is, was Peter referring to only one person in this phrase, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ? Or was he referring to two persons, our God and the Savior, Jesus Christ? I was somewhat reminded of this verse when I was in Israel last month, where two of my Israeli messianic friends referred to this verse in an effort to claim that, hey, see, Jesus is God. And honestly, I can see why my Jewish Israeli friends would use this verse to make that claim. The translators, the presupposition of the translators have affected their translation into English, but as well into the Hebrew. And the Hebrew is Betzitkat Eloheinu U Moshenu Yeshua HaMashiach. But even with this translation, there's ambiguity. It would read like this in English In the righteousness of our God and of our Savior, Jesus the Messiah. So even in that translation, there's ambiguity. If we put a comma after the word God, uh oh, now Peter is referring to two persons. What if I read it like this? In the righteousness of our God, comma, and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now Peter is referring to two persons, the righteousness of our God and the righteousness of Jesus, our Savior. But the Hebrew translation is actually wrong in another way. I checked three different Hebrew New Testament translations, and they're all the same here. It adds a second hour. There's only one hour in this phrase. It's our God. But the Hebrew translation has our God and our Savior, Jesus the Messiah. But one could just put in a comma after God 
and you have two persons, our God, comma, and our Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. On the other hand, I can see why my Israeli friends read that translation and they think that Jesus is being called our God. And most deity of Christ interpreters insist that 2 Peter 1.1 is one of those verses where Jesus is called God, and that Peter here is only referring to one person, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the New English translation note on this verse. Quote, The terms God and Savior both refer to the same person, Jesus Christ. This is one of the clearest statements in the New Testament concerning the deity of Christ. The construction in Greek is known as the Granville Sharp Rule, named after the English philanthropist linguist who first clearly articulated the rule in 1798. Unquote. Now, the particular grammatical rule that the Englishman, Mr. Granville Sharp, defined in around the year 1800 concerning how the ancient Greeks wrote Greek, these rules are a bit complicated. And I refer you to an article by my friend Troy Salinger for a good explanation of this rule and the problems with it when applied to 2 Peter 1.1. See the show notes. In this case, the rule involves how two different nouns connected by the word and should be interpreted. Should it be interpreted like the phrase God and Father? That would relate to one person. Or should it be interpreted like the phrase God and Jesus Christ? That would be two persons. So there's a whole bunch of exceptions to this so-called Granville Sharp rule Actually, he had more than one rule. Indeed, after Mr. Sharp published his book, there were other Trinitarian scholars that responded and showed he was wrong about many of his claims. Let's just point out that the deity of Christ interpretation has to appeal to, in fact, depend on a questionable grammatical rule formulated by a British Trinitarian apologist in 1798 proves how weak, actually how wrong, the deity of Christ arguments are. So here's the question regarding 2 Peter 1.1. Did Peter think that Jesus Christ was our God? Two points. To show that no, Peter is not calling Jesus our God in 2 Peter 1.1. First, even for the deity of Christ believing Trinitarians, to claim that Peter is calling Jesus Christ our God is a big problem. Isn't the Trinitarian God the Trinity? What about the Father? What about the Spirit? In a frantic effort to claw and scratch to find some evidence that, quote, Jesus is God, aren't you ignoring in dishonoring the one whom Jesus called the only true God? The Father. Is not the Father our God? Aren't you dishonoring the one of whom Paul said, quote, As for us, there is one God, the Father. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Now, I think that probably less than 1% of Christians have ever heard about Granville Sharp and what his grammatical rules are. But if you are a scholar 
and you know what the Granville Sharp rule is. When you stand before God's appointed judge, the human person, Jesus of Nazareth, see Acts 17.31, imagine trying to defend yourself by saying, But Jesus, the Granville Sharp rule, the Granville Sharp rule says that you are our God. Good luck with that. Or to put it in the modern terminology, if you're going to show up at the pearly gates, and there's Peter, you're not going to heaven, but let's say that the pearly gates are the entrance to the kingdom of God after resurrection. And there's Peter at the pearly gates. And you say, hey, Peter, you called Jesus our God. The Granville Sharp rule. (laughs) All I can say is good luck. Think about the possibility that you are dishonoring Peter You're falsely testifying about Peter. You're saying that Peter thinks Jesus is our God. If he doesn't, then you're falsely representing Peter. You're also denigrating the Father by saying that Jesus Christ is our God. Any and all deity of Christ claims are a denigration of the Father, since they claim that the Father is not the one true God. Now, the main reason that Bible readers can understand that Peter is not calling Jesus Christ our God in 2 Peter 1.1 is that it is clear from many other scriptures that Peter knows exactly who God is and who the Lord or Savior Jesus Christ is. When interpreting the Bible, we need to keep in mind one of the primary principles of interpretation, and that is that a less clear passage must be interpreted from the clear passages. The fact that the deity of Christ's claim appeals to some supposed point of Greek grammar for one or two less clear verses and then ignores the testimony of the rest of Scripture is simply poor exegesis. To Peter, the Lord and Savior Jesus is not God. But to Peter, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has a God who raised Jesus from the dead. We can see what Peter means in 2 Peter 1.1 by reading Peter's other descriptions of God and Jesus. Let's start with the very next verse. 2 Peter 1.2 says, quote, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Unquote. So, who is God in this verse? It's not Jesus. God is distinguished from Jesus our Lord. Are we really to believe that Peter switched who he believed God was from verse 1 to verse 2? I hate the deity of Christ identity confusion. I reject the deity of Christ identity confusion. They're always mixing up the identity of Jesus and the identity of God. It's like the modern gender identity confusion. In John 17, 1-3, Jesus Christ prays and tells us who the one true God is. And 
he describes that having eternal life involves knowing, just like here in 2 Peter 1, 2, to have a certain knowledge, knowing two persons, two beings. One, the Father, the only true God. That's one person, one being. And to know Jesus, the Messiah, whom the Father has sent. A different person, a different being. Take a look at the distributive aspect of both 1 Peter 1.1 and 1 Peter 1.2. What I mean by distributive is that we can see here in 1 Peter 1.2 that the knowledge applies or is distributed or belongs to two different persons. Peter hopes that God's grace and peace would be multiplied to them in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. Just like Jesus said in John 17, 3. So you have knowledge of God and knowledge of Jesus our Lord. So the word knowledge applies to both God and Jesus our Lord. This is the same thing that's going on in 2 Peter 1, 1. Our equal standing is in the righteousness of our God and in the righteousness of the Savior Jesus Christ. The word righteousness is distributed to both God and the Savior Jesus Christ. The righteousness of our God and of the Savior Jesus Christ. The righteousness belongs or is part of two persons. And then how about 1 Peter 1.3 to get an idea of the clarity of how Peter knows who the one God is and who Jesus Christ is. In 1 Peter 1.3, the same author, same person, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unquote. So Peter is very clear here that the Father is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He distinguishes between the two. He does not confuse their identity. God is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How about Acts chapter 2, when Peter stands up, the same person, Peter, okay, who wrote 2 Peter, the same person stands up on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes, Acts 2.22, Peter declares, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, but God raised him up. Unquote. Clarity, no confusion. We can see that Peter understands that Jesus of Nazareth is a man, attested to us by God. God did miracles through him. Jesus Christ died. God raised him from the dead. No identity confusion. And then Peter sums up that sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, and he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, unquote. 
Peter sees God at work through the man, Jesus Christ. Two persons. And then if we need more evidence, look at how Peter describes God and Jesus in another sermon in the book of Acts when he's speaking to the Gentile Cornelius. Clarity. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 to 40, Peter is speaking to the Gentile Cornelius, and he says, You've heard how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, that's clear. Two persons. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God was with him. They're not the same person. They're not the same being. This is how Peter understands who God is and who the Lord or the Savior, Jesus Christ, is. We can see this same truth over and over again in the scriptures. Let's look at a couple of Paul's writings. In 2 Thessalonians 1.12, This verse has the exact same grammar as 2 Peter 1.1. The exact same. The only difference is, instead of the word Savior Jesus Christ, Paul has Lord Jesus Christ. But look at every single English translation of 2 Thessalonians 1.12. And note how they translate there are two persons here, two beings. Paul writes, according to the grace of our God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Look at any English translation and note how God is differentiated from the Lord Jesus Christ and how grace is a characteristic both of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You could put the word of in there because this is called a genitive relationship. The grace of our God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. All English translations insert the word the before the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though the word the isn't really in the Greek text, they know that this is referring to two different persons. So it makes it clear by putting in the word the. In the same way, 2 Peter 1.1 should be understood and translated like this. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours in the righteousness of our God and the Savior Jesus Christ. Two different persons. Or you could say it this way. In the righteousness of our God and of the Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in a genitival relationship to the word righteousness. The righteousness of our God and the righteousness of the Savior Jesus Christ. If I said this, we had the school play through the generosity of our teacher and Mr. Johnson. The word generosity relates to two different people. Our teacher is not the same person as Mr. Johnson, who was our principal. This is what's going on in 2 Peter 1.1. The grace of our God and of the Savior Jesus Christ. Look at all the epistle greetings over and over and over again. God and Jesus are mentioned together, but God is differentiated from Jesus. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two persons. For people to think that Peter is all of a sudden talking about one person in his opening of Second Peter, like I say, it's just bad exegesis. And when people want to tell me, oh, Second Peter 1.1, 1, 1, it's like, really? Come on. Think a little bit. You can read the Bible. Here's James. James starts out. Book of James. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Two different persons. By the way, in the Greek New Testament text, there's no word the before Lord Jesus Christ in James 1.1. 1, 1. But translators put it in there because they can see it's referring to two different persons. They should be doing the same with 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. The righteousness of God and of the Savior Jesus Christ. Or how about Revelation 1-2, talking about how John the Apostle bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Again, over and over and over again, in these opening statements, God is separated from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior Jesus Christ. By the way, in 2 Peter, the word Savior occurs five times. It always applies to the man Jesus, the Messiah, Christ Jesus. So to sum up, 2 Peter 1.1 is considered to be one of the essential verses to show that Jesus is God. As the NET note said, this is one of the clearest statements in the New Testament concerning the deity of Christ, unquote. Clear? No, sorry. All you need is a comma. All you need to do is compare other places in the New Testament to see how Peter understands that God is not the Savior, Jesus Christ. God is not the Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a different person from God. If you're a Greek scholar and you like the Granville Sharp rule, take a look at 2 Thessalonians 1.12 and ask yourself why translators are translating the exact same grammar to refer to two persons, not one. 2 Thessalonians 1.12 To have to appeal to a debatable rule of Greek grammar to draw out a presumed meaning of an ambiguous text while ignoring multiple clear biblical distinctions between God and Jesus is not only bad exegesis, forgetting to interpret a less clear text from clear texts, but is evidence of the weakness of the deity of Christ claims. No, Peter does not contradict himself and call Jesus our God in 2 Peter 1.1. If you think Peter is calling Jesus our God in 2 Peter 1.1, you are in effect saying that Peter is contradicting himself in comparison to all his other declarations about the identity of Jesus. But it's not Peter who is confused about the identity of Jesus. It's deity of Christ interpreters who are confused. Now, I'm going to be a little sharp here. Oh, play on words. A little sharp with grammatical rules. If you want a clear testimony from the Apostle Peter of who he believed Jesus is, you have three witnesses, one in the Gospel of Matthew, another in the Gospel of Mark, and another in the Gospel of Luke. When Jesus asked Peter point-blank, who do you say that I am? 
Peter said, the Christ, the Messiah. Or Luke's account, Peter said, the Messiah of God. Or Matthew's account, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, take any grammatical rules you want. In Peter's confession, the Christ of God. Who is God? If you're the Christ of God, you are not God. If you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, you are not the living God. From the mouth of Peter, spoken directly to Jesus, he said, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Be careful. Don't put words in Peter's mouth. You might be misrepresenting Peter, you might be misrepresenting Jesus, and you might be misrepresenting God. Yishmo wanavim the yismachu. The humble will hear and rejoice.